Paul Kerharski Podcast is brought to you by the Yazoo Brewing Company, celebrating 15 years of beer in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Paul Kaharski Podcast. I'm his co-host, Madison Blevins. This podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brews, a Southern original since 2003. Well, the Titans training camp wrapped up yesterday after two joint practices with the Bucks, and we have a lot to get to today. But first, PK, how's it going? It's going great. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Had an off day today. That was nice. I need to find time uh, to nap between now and the uh, kickoff of Bucks Titans, obviously, because then I stay up all night for the membership to do something on everybody, which is uh, fun, but also feels like a death wish to uh, watch, <laughs> rewatch enough to get something on all 90 guys for the game. If you're not a member of the site, that's the kind of thing you're missing out on. And hopefully maybe at the end of that, uh, then I'll have a half of Eisen from Yazoo uh, before I pass out. <laughs> so will you go to bed early tonight, sleep in tomorrow, and then, or will you stay up late tonight to get your body adjusted? No, uh, I don't do any body adjusting. I just get as much sleep between now and then as I can. So I'll go to bed early. Well, I've got an all-22 gathering on, on Friday night, so that'll prevent early bed. But uh, I'll find some time to sleep late or or nap or both on Saturday, I hope. Well, great. Well, it's it's crazy that the first home game is tomorrow. I feel like just yesterday we were in Foxborough, but I'm excited. I'm ready to see what this Mike Vrabel team has in uh, Nissan Stadium. Preseason. What it has is a lot of vanilla stuff to show the Buccaneers and a lot of vanilla stuff to react to against the Buccaneers. It's uh, it's better than nothing. Gives us something new to talk about. Gives us something new to write about, but uh, it's far cry from the real thing. Well, camp is technically over, like we talked about earlier, and practices will now be closed to the public and not reported on. But I want to run through with you some of your big takeaways from the last couple of weeks. So first off, who's the most improved player that you watched during camp from last year on either side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I could tell you every intricacy on the defensive and offensive lines because that's uh, you know a, a difficult thing to do without reviewing it on film. Uh, you know, so things tend to key on the quarterbacks and, and the players on the, on the outside. Uh, and among those players, certainly Taewon Taylor to me is, is the most improved player. Uh, he's gone from being, uh, an occasional slot receiver to being a full-time outside receiver. Um, you know, he's benefited from Rashard Matthews not being there and from Corey Davis missing, uh, some. But uh, clearly, Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff like him uh, and intend to use him. Uh, he, he can take the top off the defense because he's got the speed. I think he's made a lot of uh, good catches and been very consistent. And uh, look, last year, he looked lost at times. And I, I've told him this and I've had this conversation with him. He ran on the sideline stripe. He turned the wrong way. Um, at, at the end of a route up, up the middle of the field, uh, things that were disappointing for a third round pick, even as a rookie. Um, this year, the confidence they're showing in him, uh, you know, is, is a result of, uh, the capacity he's showing them. And I think he's been, uh, really reliable. Uh, he's been almost exclusively outside. Only now have they started to kind of, uh, shuffle. Um, the receivers and put them in some different spots. They now want them to all learn uh, all three positions. Um, and, and certainly he'll be able to play inside. He'll be able to play outside on either side, but he, he's hardly an exclusive slot receiver to them anymore, which is a, a lesser role that'll now go 
Uh, I mean, maybe he'll be in there if Matthews and Davis are healthy. We don't know. But uh, he is completely eligible uh, and completely deserving of playing full-time receiver snaps based on what he's done through this offseason and through, uh, through training camp. And uh, it's been an impressive, uh, an impressive burst from him uh, where, you know, I was, I was skeptical based on what I'd seen from his rookie year. I think he's done a great job. Who else has surprised you most this camp? Well, I mean, I'm surprised by some of the guys that have uh, shown, you know, Sharif Finch uh, is a guy we'll be looking at Saturday night against the Bucks to pick up on what he did against Green Bay, uh, outside linebacker where they clearly need some help. Uh, Arakpo's been out for a good stretch there, but post Kevin Dodd, you've got Arakpo, you've got Morgan, and you've got Landry. Uh, they need a fourth guy. They need a fifth guy. And, uh, you know, Finch has gotten himself into the mix with Aaron Wallace and Josh Carraway. Um, and if he could pick up on what he did in Green Bay, um, he, he's got a real shot to be uh, the one, if not the only, undrafted rookie free agent who makes the team. Julius Wormsley uh, is a defensive lineman that Vrabel was talking about early in terms of earning his way um, to second and even some first-team snaps. And he was a disruptive guy in the first uh, first preseason game who brings some energy. Uh, Blake Bettingfield, a contributor to uh, PaulKuharski.com, now the, the former Titan scout, is very eager to see somebody provide some pass rush on the line when Jarrell Casey's not in there. Could it be Wormsley? Uh, you know, he's a candidate for it right now, certainly. And Darius Jennings, the receiver, you know, I'm still not a complete buyer. But uh, he's pretty consistently shown up with uh, at least a good play per practice. Uh, there's a lot of room at receiver. The receiver depth is a big question mark. I'm not a real buyer uh, in the guys who are competing for that, that spot. I don't find them to be dynamic enough. But uh, Dan Orlovsky, the former NFL quarterback who knows this system and is a lot smarter than I am on such things, says there's room for guys who aren't particularly dynamic. Jennings more dynamic than Williams or Campanero, but uh, Darius Jennings has, uh, you know, he's done stuff to be in the conversation so far and uh, good for him for a guy that's been cut a bunch and is trying to finally find uh, a spot in the league where he can maintain some footing. Well, you mentioned receiver Nick Williams. We saw him running um, some punt returns back this week in practice. How does that make him a bigger threat to making this roster with being able to run multiple different positions in groups? Well, you know, the the return stuff is good, and the return game is uh, is kind of minimized now. Kicks, kick returns are, are, are more like punt returns, and so somebody like Nick Williams could be effective in that, though I don't know that he's going to be their best option there. The, the place that he really – uh, made a mark outside of uh, catching the, the long reception of the game, a good catch and run that I think was 38 yards against the, the Packers, is that um, he, he made a tackle uh, on a return, on a kick return at the 10-yard line, uh, made a great tackle, and, and Mike Vrabel's mentioned it more than once. That's how you stand out. If you're a receiver who's got to play on special teams and it's not just uh, not just doing so as a returner, but where you could do so as a cover guy, uh, you remember how high the, the former regime was on Eric Weems last year who could do that, play returner and, and make tackles on special teams. Seems to me Nick Williams uh, 
probably a better version of that than Eric Weems was. Uh, and that that's made an impact. So it'd be very interesting to see what he can do uh, Saturday night with additional chances. And he's certainly benefited from Campanero being out with uh, an unknown injury. Uh, I guess I'll keep calling them unknown injuries, presuming people don't know that we don't know them, but uh, we're not going to know. Roster cuts are coming September 1st. Are there any guys that you haven't mentioned so far that you feel like can still make some noise? Yeah, I've got three in mind. I've been mentioning on the Midday 180 how, how intrigued I am by Dalen Dawkins, who's really the fifth running back. Uh, you know, I'm not sold on Fluellen as the third running back, but he's very good special teamer. He, he's really developed in that where he plays on, on uh, coverage and return units effectively. Um, Akram Wadley, if he's going to displace Fluellen, is going to have to show he could do some of that. Uh, I'm not sure what the gap is in terms of coaches and uh, and the front office between um, Wadley and Fluellen. And I'm not sure what the gap is between Wadley and Dalen Dawkins, who, uh, you know, I think has been almost equally impressive to Wadley uh, at training camp. Um, he might get his turn uh, Saturday night, or if not Saturday night in, in game three, where he gets more carries. Uh, and, and gets a chance to to show what he's got. I, I think he's been an impressive player in camp. Defensive end Matt Dickerson, I haven't noticed as much. I know they really like uh, his size and athleticism combination. He looks uh, very much the part of a 3-4 defensive end. And, you know, there's no certainty there. The top four are pretty clear cut. But then you've got David King and Julius Wormsley, who we mentioned earlier. Neither of those guys are a lock. So if you're keeping six, there's a little flexibility with two. And I wonder if Dickerson couldn't beat out King, who hasn't done a great deal. So look for Dickerson, particularly in the second half. It'd be great for him if he could uh, uh, get get into the backfield, uh, uh, record a sack, flush flush the passer out of the pocket, whatever. And then, you know, the uh, there's a bunch of receivers at the back end, but one that you hear people talking about a lot is Deontay Burnett. Even though, um, I don't know, he, he seems to lack a little flash, but he's pretty reliable. And um, it seems like the way there's been a little bit of buzz about him, we would have seen more of him with the first team. We've seen very little of him with the first team. Uh, how early does he get his snaps? How long does he stay in this game? And do they give him a chance to get going? I'm curious about him. I don't know that he's got nearly as much of a chance – uh, to be a guy that that makes them consider roster stuff as as Dickerson and maybe Dawkins. The Titans secondary has been a big talk of camp, and you even said they shined in practice. But we know they also weren't covering the caliber of guys that they would face on other teams. Well, this week they went against Bucks Pro Bowler receiver Mike Evans and some others. What stood out to you? Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, even I said they were playing well. That's what, how you phrase it. I mean, <laughs> they were definitely playing well, uh, you know, against their own receivers. But we just talked a lot about the insufficiency of, of the Titans receivers. Look, good receivers, bad receivers. Uh, you know, Malcolm Butler's a good player. Dory Jackson's, uh, you know, might be a very good player. Uh, Logan Ryan's a good player. Uh, that's a good trio of cornerbacks that I think is, uh, you know, as deep one to three as as uh, almost any team in the league. But they weren't covering Mike Evans. They weren't covering Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you know, the Bucks are are bigger, faster, deeper. I think than the Titans at wide receiver. 
And um, I, I think overall the team defense did, you know, well enough uh, against the Bucks in 11 on 11. And that's how the game is played. But in one on one and on seven on seven, uh, you know, the Titans DBs weren't making the same kind of plays they were making against the Titans receivers because they were facing Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, who were who are way better. So, I mean, it lived up to my billing in terms of let's not write them into the Hall of Fame based on the fact that they're uh, they're, they're slowing down uh, Darius Jennings in, in practice or, or Tajay Sharp or whoever it is. No slide on those guys, but they're very clearly not Mike Evans or Deshaun Jackson. And so um, I'm still encouraged about the secondary. Um, but, you know, most teams – most teams don't have a guy that's Mike Evans, but most teams' best guy is better than Corey Davis or Rashard Matthews also. So there's a happy medium to be found there, and and the Titans are going to need good play from their linebackers and the, their line in terms of getting a pass rush, in terms of weaving the whole thing together on defense so that those guys can hold up in coverage uh, and continue to make plays on the ball the way they so often have. But we saw Devontae Adams of Green Bay make a good catch against Butler for a big gain in Green Bay, uh, you know. And and Evans is big enough that he, you know, he said he's a tough, he's a tough cover for anybody in the world. And that's not a guy being boastful; that's a guy being honest. How do these two joint practices that they have Wednesday and Thursday affect Saturday's game? Will we see any different lineups, or what's the deal with that? I don't know. Vrabel, uh, you know, at least you could understand. Uh, or at least there's some history of um, teams being very uh, secretive about injuries. This thing where he doesn't say much about their intention for playing time for players seems completely unnecessary. Uh, but he hasn't offered much up. I'm surprised how much fans care about that in advance. Though if I had a ticket or was considering a ticket to the game, it would matter to me if, if uh, Mariota was playing one series or one quarter or one series into the second quarter or, you know, if I had a sense I was going to see more than I expected, I'd be more likely to go. So I think Vrabel's, you know, kind of screwing the team there too because if he is going to play a quarter and a half, I think the marketing department and ticketing office would love for that information to be out. And I don't think there's anything to lose with the Bucks on that. But uh, we don't really know how much they're going to play. He did say they were going to assess Tampa Bay – uh, practices uh, Friday in order to kind of determine playing time and stuff like that. And we don't get a chance to talk to him between uh, now and then to, to get, to get much. So we'll just have to wait and see. I, I mean, I think certain Titans will be out. Certainly the guys who've been hurt. I wouldn't expect to see Wesley Woodyard who didn't practice either practice against the Bucks. I wouldn't expect to see Delaney Walker who uh, pulled up the uh, hurt, during that second practice, apparently with the toe injury, anybody that wasn't practicing this week, you know, Evans, Campanero, we're not going to see those people. They're going to err on the side of caution with everybody. And when some of these people reemerge, they're going to reemerge uh, and be eased into practice well before they're going to show up in a preseason game. And we still have no update on Rashawn Evans. Nope. Have none, expect none. Uh, just continuing to get used to the idea. It's funny because uh, John Robinson, when he was on the midday 180, did a better job articul- <laughs> articulating the the injury stance than Vrabel did, and he, he went with the "we're protecting our players" thing. Would have been a good follow up for me to to ask if the NFL then fails to protect players on every team when it requires an injury report. Yeah. 
regular season. It's just a bunch of nonsense. It's it's for control. Had to come to terms with it because there's no alternative to it. But I wish they wouldn't pretend like there's some major gain from it. Uh, nobody can offer me an example where having spoken about what was wrong with somebody like Rashawn Evans during camp lost the team a game. They can't give me an example of that because it doesn't happen. Not even teams targeting that player that they know is injured and know, oh, yeah, I mean, know that injury. Look, we're talking all about this helmet, uh, making contact with the helmet, right? You can't really control if you're making contact with the helmet because it's two guys on the move. You right. really think if I know that you have a bad right ankle that I'm going to have the opportunity and the speed of an NFL game to uh, go after your right ankle to figure out which one's right and twist you by? Even if so, right. don't tell me right ankle. Tell me ankle. Don't tell me ankle. Tell me leg. I, I, don't don't tell me body part. Tell me two weeks. Well, it's just uh, <laughs> the targeting body part stuff tends to be uh, ridiculous. It's very hard at full speed to uh, target something. And then if you're in the middle of a pile, it's very hard to compute. Oh, this person on the ground below me is Dion Lewis, and he has a right hamstring injury. Let me stick my thumb in the middle of his hamstring. And things have happened, right. but you compute all that. Well, Paul, we've got almost all football talk today, but we do always like to venture to at least one or two outside things. I have two for you today. Paul, the queen of soul has died yesterday at, I think it was age 76, Aretha Franklin. What are your thoughts on this? I didn't even know she was sick. I saw in an interview um, on CBS News that Stevie Wonder was by her deathbed and the family told him that she couldn't hear him she wasn't with it but you know he just kind of told her to say hello to his sister that he also lost and just wanted to be there by her side as she did pass away in her home in detroit i mean is there anybody that doesn't like aretha franklin i don't know that's a great question you don't have to to like the music that she sang but i think inarguably if you have heard her sing particularly in her prime but even you know in her last public appearances, however long ago they were, I, she's inarguably a fantastic, she was inarguably a fantastic singer. And that's one of the things that amazes me when somebody famous dies. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a line of demarcation in fame to me where some people were just inarguably talented, uh, you know. Like, uh, whatever you thought about Walter Payton, and I don't know anybody that was anti-Walter Payton, but nobody could argue that Walter Payton wasn't a fantastic running back, right? You might have disliked Walter Payton because you were a fan of a team in his division, and he ran too easily against you as as a member of the Chicago Bears. I I mean, I don't know. uh, In in music, there's no rivalry like that, right? Like, I don't think you would have not liked Aretha Franklin because you liked somebody else. Right. You felt like she was stealing some of your singer's thunder, so, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking of that as I read her obituary and read some reaction to her passing is that she's one of those people on that side of the line that I, I, I just don't I don't think you could make a case for not liking her. She was a spectacular singer. And anybody that would argue otherwise is just it's nonsense. I mean, I don't think you could find such a person, but if you could, they'd be doing it just for the sake of doing it. She was uh, her voice was just tremendous and i think for, you know for for generations ahead she'll still be used as an example of uh extraordinarily talented singer with immense range and just uh sounded so 
it sounded so easy. Uh, you know, I, I almost didn't sing in the the Lene Kakua country music song. <laughs> I almost went silent just to pay tribute to Aretha Franklin. It's like everyone respected her or something. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that one just came to me. What is your favorite Aretha Franklin song? I don't know her catalog that well, but it's hard not to automatically go to Respect, which is uh, uh, cover songs, but yeah. they added the spelling part too. So I, I think that's a great twist. Oh, I didn't know that was a cover song. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a cover song. Yeah, I just know that by her. I'm pretty sure the previous version didn't include the spelling out of respect. Uh, and so uh, that too, you know, was a song like Simon's going to know that song. Right. And Simon's kid will know that song and it'll have nothing right. to do with uh, whether Aretha Franklin's around anymore or not. It's just one of those things. that's like a cultural benchmark that everybody gets touched by at some point or another, because it's a soundtrack to so much stuff. If somebody's disrespected or perceived to be disrespected or anything, that song, she kind of owns, owns the word. Well, I actually had the honor of meeting Aretha Franklin one time. Her um, grandson went to my high school, and he was, like, really big into choir and musical theater. And he had – I can't remember if it was a choir performance or musical theater, but anyway, some big performance, and she was there in the crowd watching him. Pretty cool. I don't know if it was, like – I don't know if it was immediate grandson, but there was some connection there. I can't remember, but they were super close and it might've been godmother. It was something like that, but really nice lady took the time to talk to anyone who wanted to. Farragut admirals getting it. Farragut admirals. Yes. Like the admiral part. You like the, the Farragut part. It's all good. So this is the end of our uh, first half or first third of this podcast uh we save the good stuff for after the break here because the good stuff is for members only and so um if you're not a member here's what you're going to miss out on we're going to talk a little bit more well first off if you're not a member what you're going to miss out on is something on everyone file that i'll do off the tampa bay game where you'll get some sort of note on every one of the 90 people on the roster and what they do or don't do against tampa bay uh, right now, you're already missing Blake Bettingfield's pre-game scouting report on this game. I'll have a post-game scouting reaction on Sunday. 19-year scout with the Titans through 2017, now writing for the site. Uh, after the break, uh, our conversation is going to include one Titan who I feel like has gotten a free pass so far and maybe doesn't deserve it. We'll talk about what Jason Pierre-Paul and Mike Evans told me about uh, their counterparts on the Titans and uh, lots more. So for five ninety nine a month, you get all that, the full podcast, the members-only Periscope slash Facebook Lives, everything that I write, including those big beefy, beefy files, access to Blake Bettingfield. Uh, it's a steal for the price. If you're not a member and you claim to be a big Titans fan, let's all be honest, you are lying. We are brought to you by Yazoo Brewery, uh, good beer made in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we're grateful for their sponsorship. The rest of this podcast is for members only, and it will resume in just a minute. Stay tuned. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com. 